You're listening to Growing Matters, the podcast dedicated to providing you with all the information and research you need to improve your farm and business. Well, hi everyone and welcome to Growing Matters. Today we're talking to Ross Peroni, who is from Air in the Burdekin region of Queensland. Ross is another Nuffield Scholarship recipient who was supported by Hort Frontiers Leadership Fund, as well as a grant from the Vertel Charitable Foundation, which has allowed him to travel overseas and research methods of protected cropping. Well, hi, Ross. Thanks for joining us today on Growing Matters. Can I start by asking, what was it that made you decide to apply for the Nuffield Scholarship? Probably the opportunity to see what other people are doing and sort of get out of like the bubble or just our, our local area and our, and our local industry and yeah, to see sort of what everyone else is doing and, and how we could do things better. Great. And how has being part of the scholarship changed the way that you do business? Oh, it's changed drastically. After going overseas and seeing how everyone sort of does their thing a little bit different, you come back home thinking, oh, Australia is, you know, everyone spruiks that Australia is, you know, at the cutting edge or, or doing everything so great, but... Then you, then you realise that, yeah, there's a whole other world out there that maybe what you were doing or what everyone else is doing or what you've been told to do isn't so great and you've sort of missed the ball or you missed opportunities and yeah, it, make, it makes you question basically everything that you're doing. Okay. So what was it that you were seeking to find out through your research? Uh, we had already commenced research on our own to develop protected cropping in Northern Australia um, for specifically for vegetables and so basically it was to because we didn't have any local knowledge or local industry or, or anything that we could compare or work off, it was basically just trying to investigate if anyone else was doing it, how they were doing it, and, and if that was applicable to what we're doing uh, over here. And the technology that you got to see overseas, how did that compare to what we have here in Australia? Yeah, it varied. Yeah, the high-tech stuff was impressive, but then there's also some low-tech stuff and people doing stuff completely different that, yeah, not that it was better or worse, it was just, yeah, just doing it in a totally different way that yeah, makes you just question everything and, and see what's what's actually possible. And was there one particular country that stood out amongst the rest? The biggest shock probably was up around Indonesia and the Southeast Asia um, area. Like, a lot of stuff is said about, like, you know, the, the food produced there and, and, you know, they're a bit behind the times or, or whatnot. But, yeah, I, the stuff we were seeing there is, was if not the same, if not better, than some of the stuff being done in Australia at, you know, a fraction of the cost. And it sort of questioned the whole competitiveness of Australia and what we were doing globally and then made us reevaluate our markets and what we were actually trying to do and stuff like that. So, yeah, probably that and some of the stuff more specific to what we were doing in, in Mexico in South America. Now, just changing gears for a second... I was wondering if you could give us some insights into which cost-effective technologies can be used on the farm. I think it's sort of self-evident that like, the, the main restriction for protective cropping in our part of the world is the cyclone or the natural disaster pressure that is put on. Like, we don't have problems with water or don't have problems with you know, low temperatures or not enough light that the glasshouse or I suppose the other indoor industries, the problems they're solving down south, up here it's... it's Basically, a whole different set of problems is too much water, too much light, and too much wind and, and heat. So, it's, yeah, it's basically trying to solve those problems and go forth from there. So, Ross, why do you believe that protective cropping is a focus for our industry? People just don't want to 
buy blemished or below par produce if there is a better option. And on top of that, they don't really want to know. Well, it's not that they don't care. At the end of the day, they want what they want when they want it, and it's getting increasingly hard to produce that in the field, especially when protected cropping is starting to get a foothold in basically every every line. It's only a matter of time before people just won't accept, you know, field field product. And so how can these systems extend the growing period? It allows you to grow when it's hot and rainy and windy and, and everything outside, barring a cyclone. Um, and even then, it has to be pretty catastrophic to, to stop production. So traditionally, you know, the northern Australia has been the winter production area for Australia in terms of, you know, your basic vegetables and some fruits. Yeah, it, it basically opens up the possibility to um, producing 12 months of the year. And so then what would you say is the biggest barrier for people that want to adopt protective cropping? The practical application of it, so just knowing what to do. We've sort of come from a broadacre background with my family growing sugarcane, and then we've sort of slowly learnt and, and weaned our way into field production of vegetables. Um, but basically, you've got to chuck everything that you know about field soil production and out, outdoors in, in the bin and start again. It's a totally different ball game. So I'd probably say that's the biggest hindrance, and that you only can solve that through experience. And and then once you've got the experience, it's capital to do to do these sort of events get to scale pretty quickly, and and that takes you know substantial capital. And is there anything else you'd suggest to people who may be just starting out their journey in protective cropping? Yeah, is get experience and don't take any industry standards or any industry advice as gospel. When especially when it's come from applications down south, we, we've done it now for three or four years in our research, developing how to do it. And nearly every time that you take something away from somewhere else and apply it here, it just doesn't work. It causes more problems than it actually solves. I think one thing that we'd all like to know is probably based around your key findings from the project. You know what you discovered, and maybe what you've done in your own business to change things. Every. Everything that we've sort of tried to work out has been hard fought. But I suppose overarching, like what I did pick up from overseas, and it was nearly impossible to go down into details on specific things to implement on the farm, but it was more to realize that it's, it was all possible. Like there's people doing it um, on multiple different lines, and it's just working it out for your application and and as much as, you know, you could go to a place and, and realise, yep, we're pretty similar and try and take some stuff across, you, you end up still hitting like massive roadblocks and you've got to do a tailored application for what you are actually doing, where you're doing it, who your customer is. Yeah, it's it's not like a one sort of size fits all. It's It's very much a, you know, sit down and work it out, spend the money on research and, and yeah, that sort of thing. So would you suggest that to other people who don't have anything in their farms or growing structure? Or like you said, sit down, do the research, or talk to other people in the industry? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, talking to people, trying to implement stuff other people are doing, but at the end of the day, it's, you don't know what is working until you actually do it yourself and prove it. And, and something could work in one instance, but you know, some other, I suppose, problems arise that haven't been foreseen that aren't problems elsewhere and, and then you've got to try and solve them as well within your own system so yeah it's 
it's basically just use a few of the hard guards. And have you seen any impact on your crop nutrition using these techniques or, or different techniques that you've discovered? Ah, uh, yeah. From when we started to where we've got now, yields have doubled, tripled, and, and yeah, so it's a long road and it's a long process. And how quickly would someone see the benefits if they put up this structure or started to invest? If you start with a clean slate or from like a, a similar background, like say field production, it still takes the best part of three years, I suppose, to get to a point that you could say you could go commercial, unless you go commercial and, and, and wear the problems and, and nut it out that way. But I don't know, it just depends how deep your pockets are. And Ross, how has Hoard Innovation supported you on this Nuffield journey? Uh, through the help and the contribution that Hoard Innovation had given in regards to contributing to the scholarship and obviously everything involved with going around seeing these other production methods and people around the world, it's, it's been invaluable um, to, to myself, but also to the business and, and everything we're trying to do. So, yeah, it's, yeah, the, for the, the bit of money that they contributed, the value was, yeah, like you couldn't put a price on it. So, obviously, you'd recommend to other people to go on the Nuffield Scholarship? Yeah, I would. It was one of those things when I first sort of did it and got it and was starting out on it, I wasn't quite sure. Like a lot of people, they're like, oh, we don't, can't really afford the time. Um all the money to be away from the business. But as soon as you go and start and do it and come back, you're like, I wish I did that 10 years ago. And and then what what the hell are we doing here? And what's the hell is everyone doing? And yeah, it's one of those things. Well, Ross, I've got to say, it's been really good having you on today's show. Thank you once again for joining us on Growing Matters. Yeah, I'd just like to thank you for including me on the show and, and letting me um, put my um, experience and some points across about what we're trying to do here. There's opportunities there to be had. It's just taking the time and, and the money to, to nut them out. And lastly, mate, before we let you go, is there anyone else you'd like to thank? Yeah, I'd like to thank um, Hort Innovation um, for their contribution to the scholarship, but also the Vertel Foundation for their equal contribution. Um, without both of both of these organisations, there was there was no chance of embarking on this adventure, I suppose. That's it for another episode of Growing Matters. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then make sure you follow Growing Matters on your favourite podcast app. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Growing Matters. Don't forget to visit us over at horticulture.com.au and join our free membership. Get instant access to the very latest information available to help your farm and business grow.